hey, I've missed you guys. Thanks, Bobby. Uh, I don't even know how to think about this. You preached three weeks, and I'm out of town, and this is awesome. I heard you got like three weeks in you right now. We're we're going for about four hours in this service, so just kind of settle in and make yourself at home. Uh, I am, I'm seriously, I'm so glad to be back. I missed y'all. And I've got so much stuff inside of me I want to get out, but you know what? We're just going to get right at it. Have you ever been in a situation in your life where you just thought to yourself, I, I can't even breathe, I'm so overwhelmed. Been there? Have you ever been to a point in your life where you just thought, okay, uh, if I have one more day like this, I'm done. Been there? Or been in a corner at some point in time where it was just like, maybe it was finances or your marriage or relationship with your kids or your parents or whatever it is, it's like, I can't do this anymore. Been there? Been there at a point where you thought, okay, I've had enough illness in my family to last for four lifetimes, and I have cared for everybody, and I'm just exhausted, and I need something to be different. Been there? Yeah, well, today we want to take a deep dive into the story and really want to ask you to get in the pool with us. I mean, jump in the pool. You know, there are sometimes you look at the pool and you think, like I went down for, uh, for high school beach camp, and there's this pool behind this place we go serve called Teach My People. And uh, the pool is really big and it's really pretty and uh, there's no real deep part to it. And it's one of those inviting things when you see it, you wanna jump in and cool off because it might be the hottest place on the planet. And then when you get there like 20 minutes late and you look out over the pool, you think to myself, okay, there are so many people in that pool I'm going to pass and just roast out here. You ever been there where you just saw that kind of pool? It was like, you know what I mean? Well, today's story is a little bit about how Jesus walks upon this guy who has been crippled for 38 years, at least 38 years. And and he he is walking into a place, and when he does, it's called Bethesda. Now, Bethesda is known to be a place of mercy. But today in that story, it was a place of misery. People would gather around these pools outside at Bethesda, and they would go here with the belief that there would be a stirring of the water, and the first folks in the water, that they would be healed of whatever affliction they had. Now, if you haven't been around church very much, you haven't know know much about the scriptures and how they teach, John, when he writes this in chapter 5, is a very illustrative writer. Meaning when he, when he writes these words, I believe we can see a picture being painted. And I believe without any doubt that God's word, the Bible, is truly inspired of God. Meaning that God intentionally told John, write this story. So there's this place, Bethesda, and as, as you walk out of a certain gate in Jerusalem, you can see these pools. The last time Pastor Tripp and I were in Israel, we literally stood beside the the ruins of these pools. And so they were right outside of a gate known as the Sheep Gate. And the Sheep Gate was where people traveled to come to and they would purchase or they would offer up a sacrifice so that they might be whole with God. The same gate, the Sheep Gate, was most likely the gate that Jesus himself walked out of with that cross on the way to Calvary, being the final, the final and total and complete sacrifice. So today we get this picture that Jesus has walked upon these pools and he sees a dude and we know from the, in the scriptures that this is what happens. In John chapter five, 
beginning in verse 1. Now, if you brought your Bible, uh, I'm reading. I have a New Living Translation today. You can follow along. If you have an app, our app, or something on your device, go ahead and pull that up, or we've got them on the screens for you. Here's what verse 1 says. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years, and when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Now, maybe your version says, would you like to be whole? Would you like to be cleansed? But I love this particular phrase that's found in the New Living that says, would you like to get well. Now, I find this to be one of the most fascinating questions in all Scripture. Because when I think about this, think about when you have been the most sick you've ever been in your life, and somebody comes up to you that you don't know and says, hey, Michael, would you like to be okay? And there's nobody I know that being sick would look back at them and say, no, I'm totally digging being sick. I love feeling miserable. You know what? Let this heart just go ahead and tinker out. I'm good especially if you've been sick for 38 years. So then the story goes on and says, after Jesus asked the question, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone always gets there ahead of me. And Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. Now remember, Bethesda is, tra- is translated house of mercy. Now when you walked into this building today, you came with all the different reasons and all, all different expectations. Uh, we got folks that came in because you wanted to make a loved one happy, or you came in because uh, this is what you do on Sunday morning, you came in, you're looking for a new church home, or you, you came in, you had this expectation, I need to get my life together. Well, however and whatever brought you here is probably similar to the people that gathered around those pools. I have something wrong with me, and I need that to be fixed. I have something ill within me, and I need that to be fixed. And most likely when they went to these pools, the belief was so firm that indeed those waters would stir and the angels would stir that water and the first folks in were the only people healed. And here's this guy sitting there for 38 years. Five porches filled with people in great need. My friend, listen, this is when omnipotence meets impotence. This is where the divine comes in and takes our life and says, I recognize your desperate need for help. I recognize your desperate need for healing. I recognize that I'm coming to you, you're not looking for me. Now, this is the part of the gospel story inside of this that I absolutely love. At no point did Jesus walk by this guy and say, hey, you know what? We have a prayer team at church and they're going to pray for you. At no point did he say, now we have a benevolence team at church and they'll see if you're really sick and we'll help you. At no point did the government come by and say, you know what, we're going to raise money and help build something that will get you in the pool. At no time did Jesus even mention the pool. When he comes to this guy, it is omnipotence meeting impotence. The story is happening there at the sheep gate. 
And this is a very little, literal translation. The last time I was there and I stood there, I kept imagining, why would Jesus walk by and pick this guy? Why, why wouldn't he pick somebody who had money that would help the church? Why didn't he pick somebody that, you know, would be one of those stories that would blow everybody's mind because he's an eloquent speaker? Why would Jesus pick this guy? Well, watch this. There's no social, there's no special support groups. There's no way of being able to barter your way or break or avoid the system. You see, the scriptures say that as those pools were stirred up, if you could get to the pool in time, then you could be healed. But that's it. And so when Jesus says to this guy, would you like to be healed, what's the answer? He doesn't say, heck yeah, let's do this. The first thing he says is, I'd like to, but. Have you ever noticed that in a sentence, when somebody says, I'd really like this, but, whatever comes after the but seems to be an excuse. Do you know how many people we run across week after week? That will say, you know, Jesus wants to knock on the door of your heart, and indeed he probably is. And all he asks you to do is to open the door of your heart and receive him. I want you to notice that this guy right here, being healthy, had no advantage. I mean, he was as poor as Joe's turkey, however poor that is. And he had no money. There's no advantage. If somebody had given him a million dollars and say, now when the healer comes by, here's a million bucks, will that help you? No, because you know what he said? But I can't be the first. Being wealthy had no advantage. Being good had no advantage. This guy could have said, you know what? Yeah, I'd like to be healed, but the fact is, you know what? I haven't been good enough. I haven't written a check big enough. I, I haven't been to Sunday school enough. I haven't been to a small group enough. I haven't served in preschool enough. I haven't gone to a mission trip enough. You know, no. But you see, the good news is that being good had no advantage either. I mean, you look a little further and you recognize having a good education had no advantage. This cat had no education whatsoever. It's not one of those stories where you could say, man, he was a seventh grade dropout. No, he was a never dropout. This dude had never been to school. There was no education that would give him an advantage to Jesus or an advantage to healing, or in this case, an advantage to heaven. Being the neediest or the most religious had no advantage. Do you know that after Jesus heals this dude, right after that, the story takes a hard right turn, and we find the most religious cats in that time who then say, you know, I, I think it's cool that you got healed, but... You can't pick your mat up on the Sabbath. That's illegal. Now, am I the only one that hears that and thinks to myself, we still do that kind of stuff. We still make up rules that Jesus never intended for us to follow. I mean, at no time does Jesus say, you know what? Hey, right. You can't do that. No, he did the exact opposite that said, I'm going to heal you, and then I'm going to show you, and then I want you to remember it. Pick up your mat and walk. Now, the second time when he unloaded that, immediately the scripture says he stood up, he grabbed his mat, and he walked. Do you think he gave any care or any thought to the most religious people in town when they said, oh, you can't do that on Sunday? Let me just stop and remind us. If we were that dude and the chairman of whatever they were, the chairman of the Pharisees 
said, oh, Chuck, we know you haven't walked in 38 years. We know you smell because you can't even bathe yourself. We know that all you can do is beg for mercy. And now you are completely whole, but you can't do that on Sunday. Now, I'm a pastor, and I would look at them and say, bless your heart, shut up. Are you with me? No. I guarantee I'm going to ask that question at 11 o'clock, and they'll go, yes! So let's try it again. Are you with me? Good Lord. Okay. So Jesus comes, and he sets the playing field evenly. You can't serve enough, give enough. You can't be important enough to make sure that this healing takes place. You see, Jesus is knocking on the door of this man's heart, and I believe today he knocks on your heart. I believe just as Jesus walked by the pools of Bethesda, he walks into this room today because this is his house, not ours. He said that this is to be a house of prayer. So I would just ask you right now, no show of hands or anything, but I wonder how many of you need Jesus to do something miraculous in your life. Maybe, maybe it is a healing. Maybe it is your marriage. Maybe it is your kids. Maybe it is your parents. Maybe it is your job. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe it's your money. But what would happen if Jesus walked amongst you today and as he walked between the aisles, he actually stepped on a few of our toes? Would we recognize and know this question? Do you want to get well? I wonder how many of us would answer, well, yeah, Chuck, I'd like to, but. Well, yeah, Chuck, I'd, I'd, I'd love to do that, but. Well, Chuck, I, I think that I'd love to be able to have all that Jesus offers me, but. But did you notice that Jesus came to this guy? This guy didn't come to Jesus. I mean, notice, it's a big deal. Think about it. This guy didn't know Jesus. He referred to him as a man. Jesus sought after him. You and me, we need Jesus to seek after us, do we not? I mean, I don't know how many of you came in today and you thought, man, part of my life is whacked out. Part of my life is just absolutely bottomed out. I need Jesus to find me today. Pastor Tripp told me a story uh, during, at the end of the baptisms this morning early, and he said, you know, Chuck, that uh, over the last three weeks, there have been three people that have said, I need help. All three people have prayed to give their life to Christ. Two of them were suicidal. One of them was on the verge of it. And you know what happened? Pastor Tripp just looked at him and said, hey, let me ask you a question. Has there ever come a time when you needed Jesus to do something in your life? And before they were done talking, here's what they said to Jesus. Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you come live in my life? Would you turn me upside down and make me good? Would you heal me? Would you restore me? Would you make me whole? Thank you for dying for me and raising from the dead for me. I want to live for you. I don't want to live for me anymore. All three of them. Now watch this. One of them was one of those kids baptized today that went from 
a relationship with parents that we thought was going to turn out in suicide to a youth camp where during worship said, I'm in for Jesus. And at the end of that night said, I want that. And today, watch this, this kid will start school in a week or so, and Jesus has got a hold of him. And listen to me, friend, he's whole. He's whole. But now watch this. Jesus didn't just come to that kid, he came to you. Jesus didn't just walk by the pool, he's walking by you. Here's the great news. In John chapter 6 or 44, here's what the text says. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. This is Jesus speaking to us today. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. This is great news. Why is it great news? Because Jesus has said, this is for all of you. There is no limiting capacity on it. You don't have to be pre-qualified. You get the full meal deal, and Jesus is walking by you just as he walked by those pools and saying to you this morning, do you want to be whole? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be okay? Do you want to be in right relationship? Maybe you are like this guy sitting by the pool, and you've hit some pretty desperate times. You know what the great news is? That you can do this. That Jesus isn't playing hard to get. He's searching for you, and he wants to have this relationship with you that lasts well beyond how we can measure eternity. You can do this. He wants you on his team. You can do this not because of you. You can do this because of what he's already done for you. You can do this. Everyone I know, every person watching online, every person in this room, I'll promise you, we believe we can turn over a new leaf and it'll be okay. But turning over a new leaf in this life will bring you nothing but greater disappointment. You say, well, Chuck, I'll just try to elevate myself up a a spiritual ladder and I'll do good and I'll give and I'll go and you know what, I'll stop fussing, but listen to me. All those efforts are just going to lead to more disappointment. You're going to start with an expectation that you, apart from Jesus, cannot reach. And he's knocking on the door. Friend, don't let disappointment overwhelm you today. Jesus will walk by and he he will do what only he can do. Revelation, the last book in the Bible, in chapter 3, verse 20, says this. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person and they with me. Did you hear that? This is more good news. He wants you to know that you're loved. He wants you to know that you can be forgiven. He wants you to know that you can have peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment. Why? Because he's already done what is necessary for you to be whole. All you've got to do is say yes. Let me me just try to make this so clear. When Jesus asks you the question today, do you want to be well? Do you want to be whole? What will your answer be? Well, yeah, Chuck, but I mean, I've I've been going to church for 20 years, Chuck. Okay, but are you made whole? Well, yeah, but Chuck, I, I mean, I come to church here 
twice a month. Give me a little slack. I'm not talking about coming to church. I'm saying when Jesus walks by your road today, what will your answer be when he says, hey, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? The message keeps ringing louder and louder and louder. What will your answer be right now? See, the answer isn't, I I can't get in the pool in time. I mean, think about this. This dude didn't need better timing. He needed a certain Savior. Would you like to be well? So I've been trying to get healthier lately. And you know what? It's just a pain. Uh, But I've been swimming. I mean, it looks like I don't know, Shamu when I get in that pool, man. It's like all those little skinny people that swim and they're fit look at me as like, you know? And so I wear it like a boss, you know? Until my doctor said, do you have trouble pulling your head up and swimming like that? I said, yeah, I really hate doing that. I don't like that part. He said, I got something that you're going to love. And he gave me a link and I ordered it. It is this full face snorkel mask thing that right here has a deal that sticks up like a unicorn. And when I put that bad boy on and you put it mixed with all of this, it's like, you got something to say? (laughs) This pastor will throw down on you. I will hit you with my unicorn thingy and take you out. So the other night, it's like 8.20. Jen has this great idea, let's go swimming. Yeah, bring it, girl. We got there, and there was this Asian dude on the end, and I'm pretty sure he could swim from, like, here to Australia. I mean, this cat hadn't missed a beat, man. He's killing it, right? Next dude's this black dude that's totally ripped. I mean, you know, like, if he's got a six-pack, I've got a keg. You know what I mean? And I know some of y'all don't know what that is, or you're trying to act like you don't. And, and I got in the pool, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to make me a splash. I belly flopped in that bad boy. There were, there were ripples going around. Even the Asian dude stopped, you know? I was like, sup? I put that mask on. I was killing it. I went three straight laps. You know, the problem is I can't breathe without that bad boy. Guess what? And I, I, I promise you this is so true. This guy couldn't either. He, he couldn't breathe. He, he wasn't whole. He needed more than a mask. I mean, watch this. Jesus said, arise, pick up your mat, and go. Jesus is saying, you can do this. You don't need the mask. I am the very air that you can breathe. I am the literal water that you can drink. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You can do this because he said you can. You can do this because he's done everything necessary for you. And as he walks through this aisle today, he's not asking you to be religious. He is not asking you to be good. He's not asking you to join the church. He's not asking you to do anything but this one thing. Say, yes, come into my life. Make me whole. I wonder if you're willing to do it today. Because see, this 9.30 crowd is usually saturated with a bunch of church folks. And in a minute, when I'm going to ask you the question, what are you going to do? A lot of church folks are going to think, you know, if I move and come to that altar, they're going to think I got problems. 
I don't want them to know my life's whacked out. Well, let me just help you with that. Just stop for a minute and look at all the people around you. Go ahead, look around. Look. You all got one commonality. You got weird junk going on in your life just like I do. I got junk going on in my life that I desperately need Jesus to come to and say, Hey, Achuck, do you want to be whole? And you know what my heart screams? Yes! I want all of it you can give me. But I am a messed up, sinful, selfish preacher. But Jesus, I need all you've got because I need to be whole. How about you? How about you? Jesus is going to walk down the aisle and say, you know what? I'm knocking. You go over the door. I'm knocking. Do you want to be made whole? And you've got a couple of ways you can answer. You can answer the first way this guy did. Well, I'd like to, but you know what? I, I, I'm a little hungover from last night. I'm working on it. Well, you know, I'd like to, but you know, Chuck, I, I don't understand the Bible. Well, you know, I'd like to, Chuck, but I ain't all about that church stuff. Well, you know, I'd like to, Chuck, but I don't trust preachers. By the way, I don't either. But what if this one day he walked by you and he asked the question, do you want to be made whole? And you said today, yeah, that's me. I'm dealing with this right now. I've been, a, I've been in church for 20 years. I've been going to church since I was a kid. This is my first day in church, whatever that is. Here's what Jesus is asking you. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be whole? I want to ask our band to come out so we can finish up today. But I want to ask you to do something for me. Actually, I want to ask you to do something for you. And you know, I, I spent most of my preacher life ending services like this saying, hey, uh, you know, I don't want to embarrass you. We're just going to pray for you. And I, you know, there, I think there are times that that's appropriate, you know. Hey, by the way, if you have to go work somewhere else in the church, they'll wait. Stay here. Where, wherever that's at, stop. You can wait. You're saying, yeah, but I got to. I don't care. Stop and wait. Because here's what I'm asking you to do. I believe as Jesus walks by the aisles of your seat this day, and oh, by the way, he, he's right here with me too. And he's saying, Chuck, you want to be whole today? Yeah, I do. Because I know you promised me I could be whole today. So as for me and this broken heart and this broken soul, yes, I want that. Let me ask you a question. Do you want that today? Are you willing to say today, just like that prayer with those folks with trip, would you say, Jesus, I want you today. I want you to make me whole. I want you to make me healthy. I want you to make me full. I, I want heaven. I want it all. Friend, listen, Jesus isn't playing hard to get. When you call on his name, he will answer you, open his arms and embrace you and welcome you. And he will do what only he can do and make you whole. And he, does, he doesn't care how wealthy you are. He doesn't care how Christianly you are. He doesn't care how missionly you are. He cares about one thing. Are you willing to let me come into your heart? I'm knocking right now. Will you let me in? I want to pray for you. The minute I say amen, we're going to jump in because he lives. 
Austin just going to get started. The minute I say amen, I'm going to walk down here. I'm going to give you like two minutes. And I'm going to ask you, as a matter of fact, I don't want anybody to stand. I want you to stay singing, sitting down. I, I, I refuse to make it easy for folks. I, I want people to say what Jesus said about us. Hey, you know what he said? If you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. And what I want to say to you now is this ain't playing around. The sitting preacher came off vacation, got fired up. Jesus is walking through the aisle and he's saying, are you willing to open the door of your heart and do you want to be whole? Some of you just need to get on your knees at an altar. Nothing, nothing super spiritual about an altar. There is something overwhelmingly powerful by the posture of kneeling before the Father. Some of you just need to say, I want to be whole again. For some of you today, you need to say, Chuck, right now, I want to be whole. I want Jesus in my life. Even if I don't know what all that means, I want that. So God, I want to ask you, in this time of prayer, in a room that's full of mostly churched people, God, would you walk by every man, every woman, every student, every child, and would you knock on the door of their heart and ask them this question, do you want to be whole? If today you say, I want to be whole, would you just stand up? Wherever you're at, just stand up. All it takes is one person and then five or six more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, it's just not that hard, is it? If you'd say today, Chuck, I, I need to come to this altar. Come on, just come on. I'm telling you, man. Jesus is saying, come on. If you say today, I, today's the day I give my life to Jesus. I am settling the score. I'm answering the question. And I'm saying, Jesus, come to me. Come talk to me. Let me introduce you to the best friend I've ever had. Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the healer. That's right. Just come on. Yeah, just, just do that. I want the real thing, Chuck. I want Jesus. Well, then come to me. Come talk to me. Come recognize him. Come into the door. Yeah, because he lives. I can face tomorrow, man. Come on now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love his next line.
Let's do it. God bless y'all. Go in peace.